FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 67 of the podcast that goes snick. Snick. I'm your host, Jason Venable, and I'm joined once again by co-host Denise Venable. Hey, hey. Anyway, uh, this episode we're going to wrap up November of 2013 for all things Wolverine. Awesome. Yep, that's about it. Won't rush too much, but we're going to try to get to this episode a little bit quickly. Um, we just had Thanksgiving and... Uh, we're full of turkey. And Christmas decorations are upon us. The elf on the shelf is scaling the tr- Christmas tree as we speak. Yes. So there's lots to do and... I know you will probably want to have a podcast to listen to while you do it, so we're going to give you something, but um, it may not be, well, it certainly won't be as long as the last couple. <laughs> we're giving you a break. Those are pretty long. <laughs> Those are like three beer yeah. episodes. Right. This is only going to be like a one beer episode. Yeah. All right. Well, so for the sake of brevity, let's get to it. All right. All right. Here we go. Alright, so first up, we have Savage Wolverine number 12. Savage! You gotta start the Phil Jimenez arc. So, writer and artist is Phil Jimenez. Okay. Scott Lope is the co-writer. Rochelle Rosenberg is the colorist. And Phil Jimenez and Frank Diamarda did the cover. I like this cover a whole lot. Yeah, I like it too. It's really, really cool. I like... Phil Jimenez has started doing his own inking. I really like the way he kind of makes his style. Like, it's very detailed, but it's very gritty. It is. It's very high contrasty too. Yeah, I like it a lot. So, basically, uh, we have a flashback to 1931 in South Africa, where Wolverine is playing with some elephants. Yes, Denise has also jumped on the sound effect uh, soundboard. <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> There's just so many of them. <laughs> right. So Wolverine's playing with some elephants. <laughs> playing tag. And it's kind of cool. We actually get a flashback to um, Uncanny X-Men. I forgot to look. Um Cheat sheet's not in there either. No, it's in the other room. They went to the Savage Land. Uh, the tin I have in the garage? Yes. It's from that issue. Okay. No, it's not. No, that is incorrect. I was going to say. No, it's like an issue 110 or 111, whenever the, um, or maybe 109. It's when the Vindicator makes his first appearance and he sabotages the X-Men in the park. And remember the X-Men are going to go on that picnic? Wolverine says he's going to go hunting. And Storm calls him out. Says, you're going to kill an animal for sport? Wolverine's like, I didn't say nothing about killing Broad. <laughs> Killing's easy. The skill is sneaking up close enough to touch a doe. Anyway, they actually replayed that. And Wolverine talks about how Storm misunderstood him. Other X-Men just thought he was like an overgrown animal. 
<laughs> but really, he just he just likes animals, and that's true to his character. He's always had a love for animals. So anyway, we go now to present, and Wolverine is back in South Africa taking a nature hike, and he gets a foul stench, and he sees a bunch of vultures and hyenas, and he comes up on some butchered rhinos. Ew. Yeah. It's pretty grisly, pretty gross. And then he hears some uh, footsteps and the quickest of guns, and he pops his claws and growls, and that's a really awesome panel. And he just, he just starts attacking these guys. And he hurts a couple of them. And then one lady finally calms him down, says, they're not the poachers. Uh, they're looking for the poachers, too. They're on Wolverine's side. And we get a really awesome snit. I um, did like that. Yeah, I've like, never seen that before. It's pretty, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. But I like Jimenez's version of it. We get a really bold red snit and big block letters on a black background. And we just see Wolverine's fist and claws kind of going through the letters. It looks really awesome. Of course, Wolverine is in pain because since uh, Wolverine cut up all their guns, they can't put these rhinos out of their misery. So Wolverine has to do it himself. This whole scene was very touching to me. It was very sad. So then Wolverine, uh, he kind of gets the story from the, the guys about the poachers. And so we basically get kind of... The background. Well, yeah, and, and Jimenez uses this to kind of, I don't know, I guess discuss or bring to light like kind of the poaching process. Yes. And talks about how kind of the, the Westerners want all this jewelry and quote-unquote medicine, that's in air quotes. Well, and like art. Yeah, magic stuff, so... yeah. Yeah, all these reasons the poachers are, have such a high profit. It's very profitable for them to kill these animals. And it's kind of society's fault for having the demand. And the poachers are just the supply. Okay? So we go back to the Jean Grey school where Kenny Price teaching a class and showing all her different uniforms. And look, there's one with roller skates. Oh, yay. Just like Dazzler. Um, <laughs> right. So Quentin Choir calls him out or calls her out for changing her code name every time she got a new costume. And Kitty's like, I did Ugh. not realize that. Yeah, all right. So she was Kitty, then she was Sprite. Sprite. Then, yeah. Then, as in like As in the drink. Or the fairy. I was thinking the fairy. Yeah. Then she was Shadow Cat and now she's mostly Shadow just, Cat? Yeah. I actually kinda like that one. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yes. And then now she's kind of back to just being Kitty Pride. <laughs> All right. So anyway, Wolverine calls and interrupts her class. And she goes and gets on the giant super hologram computer to determine the uh, poacher trade route. It turns out they have a big uh, stopping... Point in Madripoor. And Wolverine's like, Madripoor? Then we get a flashback where Wolverine... A pirate Wolverine! That's Patch. What? That's his Madripoor uh, secret identity. See, back in the day... Is that like Clark Kent? If I wear glasses, nobody will know who I am. If I wear an eye patch, like the governor, nobody will know who I am. But most of the time when Wolverine was out being Wolverine, he had the cowl on. That was back before he really went around a lot without his mask. 
And so when he went to Madripoor, he probably just could have taken off his mask <laughs> and been fine, but he uh, he put on the eye patch. Okay, Governor. Yeah. Anyway, we get a flashback. Basically, Wolverine is saying that he had cleaned up poaching out of Madripoor, but he thinks that when Dawkins took it over, he must have let him back in just to spite him, just to kind of stick it to him. Of course, Dawkins was his uh, rebellious son, remember? Oh, yeah. That he ends up killing. So then we go to Madripoor, and Wolverine throws a guy through Tiger Tiger's window. She is now kind of... Is that really her name? In charge of Madripoor, yes. Tiger Tiger. Yeah. Anyway, she's like, Wolverine, what are you doing here? And he says he wants to have a little chat. So he follows his nose like the Fruit Loop 2 can and takes Tiger Tiger and her men to a giant warehouse with $100 million worth of trade on the black market, thousands of dead animals. Wolverine says he's going to destroy it, torch it, and then there's two more. And then Tiger Tiger says, I'm no too, too valuable. Sorry, Wolvie. Yep. But she says a cool line. She says, if you get in my way, I'll see to it that your claws and teeth and every other part of your adamantium lace tide is auctioned off on the black market right alongside the rest of these animal carcasses. All right, so a little timetable issue. We do get an asterisk that says this happens before Battle of the Atom. Right. Hence why Kitty Pride is there. Yes. And also, but it also calls into question... Because we know the Battle of the Atom is after Killable. Right. Even though Killable is still going and Battle of the Atom is already come and gone. Right. But so is this also before? I mean, I guess we'll wait and see whether he still has his healing factor next issue or not. Oh. I'm sure he's going to get shot at. So we'll see how, how, how far back this is. Okay. Okay. So I got to say, this kind of hits a little bit home for me. Um. The first, well, the first Wolverine I ever read was Uncanny X-Men 139, but that was I Got It Old. The first Wolverine appearance I ever bought off the shelf, like as a new comic, was I, I was a, I, a big Punisher guy. And when Punisher War Journal came out, I was super stoked. Right, that was the second Punisher book. I was all over it. And in Punisher War Journal number six by Jim Lee, we have Wolverine on the cover. And that just so happens, in that story, Wolverine and the Punisher are both are on the trail of the same band of poachers. Okay. So anyway, I just kind of thought it was interesting. This reminded, the story had a lot of similar elements to that story. It reminded me of the first time I ever read Wolverine like as a new character, like getting kind of caught up to him in modernity and of course I was like oh I like this guy a lot almost as much as the Punisher and of course now I like him more but anyway alright so I thought the art was pretty fantastic yeah I thoroughly enjoyed the art yeah I think Jimenez is, is one of the good guys he's, he's really good um, what do you think of the writing ooh okay alright <laughs> Long, dramatic pause. Yeah. So not to be a cold, hard bitch. Because I am at heart an animal lover. Yes. So there's parts of this story that really kind of hit me. But I also feel like, and part of this is maybe because Jimenez is not, he doesn't write as much as he draws. Some of the poetry stuff, while I think it's important and good information, 
came off a little bit preachy to me. I kind of felt like I was watching one of those like after school specials. I was waiting for Sarah McLaughlin to start singing. Yes, and horses to right. be and sitting on a Right, and I don't mean to sound like it's an absolute monster because I do think it's an important issue. Well, okay, so the part where Wolverine had to make the he had to put the rhino down. Right. See, that part was touching. That was very touching. And to me, it showed a part of Wolverine that we don't ever really get to see. Right. Because, you know, he jokes that he's not hunting the animals. It's almost like they're playing hide and seek. Right. You know, so for him to put down one of these animals and and he kind of, in a way, and I was a little confused if he was actually having a dialogue with the rhino. I, I think he was, and that goes back to a very obscure power from the late 70s and early 80s that they don't talk about much anymore, but it is in his canon, Repertoire. so to speak. Yeah. Uh, the, the first time he went to the Savage Land, he talks to Zabu, the saber-toothed tiger. Okay. And kind of, not really like talks, but is able to like communicate with them like, like on an animal level. Yeah. And so... So there is, there is like a, uh, what's it called? What's it when you have a case, like in the court? Uh, not a prerequisite, but a precedent. Okay. There is a precedent for this, this ability or this power. So that part I didn't mind so much. Well, no, I guess what I'm trying to say is, so that scene was very touching, especially when Wolverine's talking to the animal. Right. But when we're getting the background of, this is what they do, and they cut their faces off, and they do, I just felt like I had zapped into an after schools. please sit down with your children and watch this with them. Right. Moment. See, yeah, I, I agree, and I kind of feel bad for agreeing, because I, <laughs> no, I do, I do think it's You're important. You're as cold-hearted bitch as I am. <laughs> I, I yeah I just I think it maybe could have been a little more subtle. It, it, like, like okay, because the part with the rhino and Wolverine killing him, like you said, was very emotional, and this was just informational. Well, yeah, and it's like the poachers are bad, but it's also all our faults for buying anything. No, I I try not to buy stuff like that. Right. Like if I know where it comes from or whatever, I'd prefer My to have. My ring's not a blood diamond. It probably is. <laughs> Because your grandma bought it way back when. The ring's, what, 60 years old? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I don't know. So anything else you want to say about this one? No. I feel like it has merit, and I want to see where it goes. The betrayal at the end was interesting. Yeah, but Wolverine I really couldn't. thought he had, like, a friend in Tiger Tiger. See, I didn't trust her because her name was Tiger Tiger. All right. And she looks like a stone-cold bitch. Yes, she does. <laughs> Plus, she's wearing those newfangled things that are now back in style from, like, the early 90s that need to be flushed. It's like the blouses that fluff out to look like a little skirt, but it's not a skirt. Oh. It's coming into fashion. It just needs to go back out. Yeah. I actually wore an outfit like that to my eighth grade dance. Look at you. Woohoo. <laughs> yes, we're having fun. Yeah. All right. So I thought the art was really good. I thought the story had its moments, but was okay. All right. So anyway, uh, what are you going to grade Savage Wolverine number 12? I think I'm only going to give it, I'll give it five out of six. Part of me wants to give it four out of six for the after school special feel. Right. 
But at the same time, I like the betrayal at the back end. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it four out of six claws. Whoa. Yeah. So I enjoyed it, but I'm hoping the next one's a little bit better and just more focused on the um, the story part or or more of the emotional stuff. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. So, all right. Well, that's Savage Wolverine number 12. Let's move on. Okay, so next up, we have a double shot of Wolverine and the X-Men. We have annual number one and issue number 38. All right? Annual number one is an Infinity tie-in. Of course, Infinity just ended. And I will say, just because we didn't really get it, because we didn't really get to talk about it because Wolverine wasn't in it past, like, the first issue. But Infinity is a uh, comic event done right it was really awesome so if you haven't been reading it you definitely should all right so this tie-in is written by jason aaron penciled by nick bradshaw we have a small army of inkers we have walden wong carl cassell or kessel uh victor alazaba and nick bradshaw himself part of the time colors by andre mosa letters by vcs clayton cowles and the cover is by Nick Bradshaw and Laura Martin. I forgot to say in the last one that VC's Corey Pettit did the letters on Savage Wolverine. Woohoo! VC's Corey Pettit. His credit was a little more buried than usual. All right, so basically, this story is about how King Gladiator gets back to the Jean Ray school. So it starts off with him in school in space, and he's giving a report on Earth. And he's talking about the X-Men and how great they are. And we see Wolverine and Kitty and Storm. About how even though they're all the same, they're all different. And he fails his report because he doesn't talk about how they have inferior technology. And they're narrow-minded. Anyway, so he fails his report. And he gets in trouble at his new school. And he talks about how he doesn't like his new school. Talks about how he misses the punching Punching. There was a fun line uh, somewhere where he talks about at this school, he's never even had a teacher try to stab him with his claws. That was funny. So anyway, he's the only one of his race, and he's feeling kind of bored and dejected. And He's also the only one to punch the Hulk, right? Yeah, yeah, he mentions that. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, he talk, we see him sitting at a cafeteria table by himself, he says, I miss my old school. Bummer. <laughs> All right. But then we get an announcement. I don't, that doesn't fit. <laughs> Sorry. That's what, oh, here you go. All right. So we get an announcement that <laughs> the aliens are coming to the other aliens to take them over. The builders. <laughs> The builders are here and they're attacking and everyone is automatically graduating from guardian school to be their different roles. And King Gladiator thinks, all right, this is my chance. But his dad visits him in a hologram, not Kid Gladiator, regular Gladiator. It says, sorry, son, you can't go. We're the last two and I can't afford to lose you. And King Gladiator gets mad and his dad says, I know you want to fight. We're warriors. I just hope one day you'll forgive me. So he sticks three uh, warbirds on him, or three deathbirds. 
I always Shia remember. Okay, I never ever remember which one's the name of the character and which one's the name of the type of person. Aren't they both Warbird? No. Because he in the comic. Deathbird is the name of the comic, right? No, I think it's Warbird. No, I think because, it's Deathbird. Well, hang on, it's in this one. Because he talks about how he had a Warbird on Earth. Yes. That's what kind of guard she is. But her name is Deathbird, I believe. Um, yes. So her name is Deathbird, but she's a Warbird? Yes. Wow, her parents had no creativity. Right. Anyway, we get an awesome full-page uh, panel of King Gladiator taking the Warbirds out. Three of the toughest Warbirds. And he goes out into space... And there's lots of fighting, and he has a great time fighting and punching stuff. And punching stuff. <laughs> and punching some more stuff. Wait, one more punching? Wah, wah. All right. Then he finds a smasher. <laughs> then he finds a smasher girl that's scared, and he basically tells her, it's okay to be scared, but we got to face our fears and punch like hell. So then they do good with the battle and uh, Gladiator comes up to his son and says, I hope you didn't hurt my warbirds. And King Gladiator says, only their pride and perhaps their faces. And then he says, I sent four. I couldn't have sworn three would be enough. I'm pretty sure there were only three there, right? Yeah, I only saw three. One, two, three, one, two, three. Yep. At no point are there ever four. So I guess the other one got lost. Um, she was too busy grabbing lunch. And King Gladiator says he doesn't want to go back to the uh, the Shi'ar school. He wants to go back to Earth. And his dad's like, I thought being a super guardian was all you'd ever wanted. And he says it was. <laughs> he says it was for a very long time, but now I just want to be me. And his dad says, well, I'm sorry, you can't. And then they're walking around and some smashers come and bow down and he's like, what do we do, Dad? He goes, they're not bowing to me, they're bowing to you. And we see more fighting. We see, apparently, gladiators have all the same powers as Superman. Oh. And I don't know, not really. And Superman I has ice he breath, had, like, he has flame breath. Well, and he has uh, and he does have Cyclops laser eyes. eyes. Yeah. It's interesting that his ears get pointier as the issue goes along to match his dad. I also noticed that his teeth get pointier, too. Oh, really? Then we see him trying to arm wrestle Thor. Then we see some more fight scenes. Oh, no, here he has ice breath. See? Then we see him with the Hulk. The Hulk says, stop staring at Hulk. All right, so then they go out and one last fight. His dad says, you know what? You're unique. So go be unique and sends them back to Earth. I thought it was really cool. All right, so we end up, so we started off with them giving a report to a Shi'ar school. And we end up giving a report at the Jean Grey school. Uh, what I did during occupation of Thanos on Earth. <laughs> wow. Like, instead of what I did over summer vacation. I thought that was pretty funny. And so basically he talks about how awesome it was out in space. And Wolverine's like, well, it was so great. Why'd you come back? I'm punished. Yeah. And then there's a an announcement again. 
Wrong Warning, one. this school is currently under attack by subterranean forces led by the Mole Man. And we get a snit and Wolverine runs out and tells the kids to stay there until he gets back. <laughs> and King Gladiator says, punishment, wonderful, wonderful punishment. And all the kids hug while Quentin Quire yawns. All right. So, oh, I forgot to ask you about the cover. What do you think of this cover by Nick Bradshaw? Yeah, so... It's one of my uh, least favorites of his. <laughs> King Gladiator looks weird. He And the he, colors look weird. He looks like Kid Rock at age 90. He looks like an old man, yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, not a fan. Um, I did think the art inside the comic was really good and up to Bradshaw's standards. Yeah, I love the art on the inside. I found the story a little hard to follow. I, yeah, I also thought Mosa did a great job on the colors. Yeah. Especially, like, all the different atmosphere stuff, like the spaces and the battles. Oh, there was plenty of eye candy to go around. Yeah. So, all right. So, I thought it was a cool story. I mean, it's a story of how King Gladiator, because he was... All right. So, originally, his father exiled him to Earth, really as punishment, because he was a rebellious kid. He didn't get the Shi'ar stuff. He was always kind of punky. And his dad sent him to Earth to kind of teach him a lesson. I kind of feel like he is the gladiator version of Quentin Quire. A little bit, yeah. Except he's not as cool. Not quite. No, I like him. Oh, during the Phoenix, when the Phoenix came back, his dad came and got him and said Earth was no longer safe for him and brought him home. And that's where he's been. So now this is his return back to the school. Though, I'm a little bit curious because we know this book ends in four issues. Oh. Why, why did Aaron bother to bring him back unless he's going to use him in Amazing X-Men as well? So I don't know. I don't. I only think Aaron can answer that question. Probably so. So, Jason Aaron, it would be nice to know what you have in store. So, I thought it was a cool story to bring him back. I thought the dialogue was pretty interesting. The story was really just a bunch of fighting. It really was. <laughs> and it looked really nice. with people. Yeah. That's pretty much all it was. So, uh, what are you going to grade this one? I'm only going to give it three out of six. Okay, Wolverine of the X-Men annual number one. I'm also going to give it three out of six. It was a good enough story, but nothing special. I like the result that we get King Gladiator back, but yeah, a, a whole full-size annual devoted to that may have been a little much. So let's move on to issue number 38. This is also written by Jason Aaron. Art by Pepe Larraz, which is a, a new guy. Ooh, Pepe. I've, ne- I've never read him at all. Pepe. No. I have to come up with a way that I can say Pepe. <laughs> Matt Mia is a color artist. VC's Clayton Cowles is a letterer. And the cover is by Nick Bradshaw and Laura Martin. So what do you think about this cover? I thought that cover was really cool. Yeah, I like it a lot. Basically, it's like a giant shield emblem and Wolverine cutting his way through it. It looks really, really awesome. And... It denotes kind of what I was asking for, you know, the the aftermath of Battle of the Atom with the shield having sentinels. You know, Wolverine's pissed. So we get a, a foretaste that we might get him do something about it this issue. So we start off, but actually shield brings it to him. Ooh. Yeah. So we have a helicarrier hovering with lots of planes over the Jean Grey school. And we get a double snicked as Wolverine tells us to... Two new students to go inside. Run. And that was a cool opening panel. 
It was. Um, so Iceman and Warbird or Deathbird Death come out. Bird. And the kids are like, man, we picked the wrong day to sign up for classes. And then Brew's going to give them the tour. I like Brew as a tour guide. Right. So then Maria Hill and S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent Dazzler walk up to Wolverine. Ugh, Dazzler. Yeah. So Wolverine tells them to all be calm and wait for the signal. And Iceman says, I'm guessing it's Snick, Snick, Stab. <laughs> I love the way Jason Aaron writes Iceman. And she's like, greetings, X-Men. We come in peace. Earthlings. Right. She we says come she, to serve you. Yeah. She says she figured it was best to get uh, this over with right away before Wolverine came slicing his way into my office. And Wolverine's like, hey, you're the one that had Sentinels. You got 30 seconds to explain before I poke, stab you full of holes and feed you to Krakoa. And just on cue, Krakoa makes a big face mouth. Ooh, nom, nom, nom. And uh, Maria Hill's like, you're angry. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have the threat. Understatement of the year. We we have mutant killing machines in a government agency. Oh, yeah, you don't like that, do you? So Wolverine's like, 20 seconds. Maria Hill said she wants to work to a peaceable solution. Yes, they were my sentinels, but you're the one that had a mutant-on-mutant melee at an American naval facility. Ooh, she's got a point. Yeah. I think they both have points. The government shouldn't have sentinels, and X-Men shouldn't fight X-Men and put others in danger. So So two wrongs equal a right? I don't think so, but I guess that's what we'll wait and see. So Storm's Mohawk gets a lot poofier. Anyway, Maria Hill says she doesn't have the answer. She's just trying to protect the people of the planet. Storm says the X-Men have saved the people of this planet more times than S.H.I.E.L.D. And Maria Hill says, but also blown it, almost blown it up, too. And I got Dazzler's like, in the background. Dazzler's not much good, is she? Right. All right, so a little bit of issue here with me. Uh-oh. I think Wolverine looks really cool. I don't know if I buy him wearing Etnies. Like he's in skate shoes and really baggy jeans. And it's a cool drawing. Oh, but I don't think it fits Wolverine. I had proportion issues with this drawing. Oh, he's sagging. So he's got short little legs. He has short little legs anyway. Yeah, I, no. I don't know fat. if I like skate or Wolverine. He looks chunky. Like he doesn't oh. look fit. Well, yeah, it depends on who draws him. Yeah. So. He just looks a little like drank one too many beers. Got a little, some extra around the middle. Yeah. Maybe an extra donut in the morning. Probably. Yeah. That's what happens when you lose your healing factor and you get fat. Oh no. His metabolism. <laughs> right. We're gonna have like in a what is it? Uh the Mike Myers. Uh, Austin Powers. Bastard. Oh, yes. Okay. That was worth it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad it was worth it. Right, so Maria Hill and Wolverine continue to have a standoff. Wolverine wants an apology. Maria Hill says he's not going to get one. She says, just know we'll be watching. And Wolverine says, we'll be watching you too, darling. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. 
Ray was like, great, glad we got that settled. <laughs> Come on, Dazzler. And Dazzler's like, Agent Blair. She's like, shut up. Now Dazzler's going to speak up. So anyway, uh, the X-Men talk about it among themselves. Wolverine says, the most important thing is the school. The best thing we can do, because he even says, yeah, Maria the X-Men agree Maria Hill does have a point. The mutants need to not scare everybody. But Wolverine says the best way we can do that is to raise them in the school and teach them how to, like, be good little mutants. Right. Yeah, basically to, to take the high road. So he says, he basically says that, that everybody's right. He wants everybody to stay here and teach the school and just keep doing what we're doing. The school's all that matters. You leave S.H.I.E.L.D. to me. And he says, Rachel, I need you to sub for me in my class. <laughs> I love how she's like, let me just pull those notes out of your head. Yeah. He goes, I'm going to punch and stab some people and get some really big smile on his face. And that was pretty awesome. So we uh, see Agent Hill and Agent Blair Dazzler flying off in a shield flying car. So Rachel Hill basically blames all of this on Dazzler. Yeah, she's like, you're my liaison. Liaise. Yeah. Dazzler was kind of her kicking post in this uh Pretty issue. much. It, actually, she was kind of her kicking post in the other issues, too. Yeah, yeah, she kind of was. All right, so we see the new kids again, and they're getting their new room. Um, I think Aaron's getting a little carried away with the impromptu danger room stuff. Yeah, I thought that was kind of stupid. Yeah, getting a little overdone. I do like, I tell you what, I want to, uh, I want me and you, we're going to write and draw a comic. We're going to develop these two characters right here. Oh, fart stream. <laughs> fart, fart stream and splinterhead. Yes. Or thorn, thorn or ass. boy. Yeah. <laughs> I thought for a bunch of no-name mutants just kind of wandering around in this scene, I thought they looked really cool together. They do look cool together. I think it'd be interesting to see their personalities. I'm wondering if Fart Boy farted and that's why Stick Boy looks the way he does. <laughs> Decayed his flesh right off his yeah. bone. Oops, sorry. All right. So we see Eye Boy. We find out he's a school newspaper reporter. I did not like this character. You like Eye Boy? No. He's all right. All I want to do is stick my finger in his eye. <laughs> Just... Like, how creepy is that when he makes out with somebody? Right. FYI, you're not supposed to watch the girl while you kiss her. So, uh, Kid Gladiator um, oh dear. says, You boy of eyes would not know a story of one crawled in your ear and laid eggs. Basically, gripes that he should be the front page, every page. I could have ripped out some pages. <laughs> All right, so we get some more student interaction. Oh, the dialogue was pretty decent. Then an uh, angry Iceman shows up. I thought he looked pretty cool, by the way. He did, and the students are like, his girlfriend left yeah. him. All right, so Idy looks like a teenage girl. She looks like a teenage boy. <laughs> I prefer this to what we had I Bradshaw. I would prefer somewhere in the middle. Yes, in a perfect world, we'd probably get somewhere in the middle. She does look, like, really young. She like looks like a boy. 10 or 11. Yeah. She looks like a boy. Okay. I agree. But if the option is a very young, childlike ID or a really busty, sex, over-sexy ID, I would choose this. I, I would too. Because teenagers just shouldn't be that sexualized. No. All right. 
So he sends Quentin Quire to detention, and Wolverine goes down there, and his detention... Is to hack the S.H.I.E.L.D. computer. Yes. And then just as a side note, we see the two little Hellfire stowaways are in detention with Dupe. And they're so bored off their ass. Yep. All right, so we see Agent Dazzler talking to her S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, and she wants to... She knows they're getting hacked because their their systems picked it up, and she wants them to give them the location of some underground warehouses, which would be where you would probably hide Sentinels. Right. But then she also wants to, wants them to leak it to other interested parties. You know who? And we see her eyes glow, and remember that this dazzler is not dazzler. It's not. No. <gasps> who is it then? It's Mystique. <gasps> Shocking. Knocked out Dazzler and took her place. Even Max is shocked. Yes. Then we find out the other interested party is Cyclops and the Uncanny X-Men. He's like, oh, don't worry, guys. I can handle a few Sentinels by myself. Leave S.H.I.E.L.D. to me, which is I thought was funny. That's what Wolverine said when he left the other staff. He said, leave S.H.I.E.L.D. to me. Which I think is awesome because we're coming up then on a Cyclops Wolverine showdown. Which is what I think you've been waiting for. Yes, I have. All right, then we find out that Squid-Faced Girl and... Three-Faced Boy. Mixie Man. Mixie Man. um, Aren't really mutants, but they're guys that took some little, basically mutant hormones and got new powers. And they're reporting back to Mystique and they bust out some guns to be continued. Dun, dun, dun. And I can't wait. The next issue is an awesome cover of Wolverine and Cyclops going at it with Sentinels in the background. Looks amazing. So I thought this art by the new guy overall was really pretty good. No, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Besides the like chubby Wolverine. I don't know if he's just a guest because Bradshaw was busy doing the annual. Right. Or if he's going to finish out the series instead of Bradshaw. I don't know. But I, I would definitely be interested in seeing him do some more stuff, either here or elsewhere. So I liked it quite a bit. And I thought there was a lot of good intrigue in this story. It sagged a hair in the middle with the, the student stuff. Yes. Not that it was bad. It just the other stuff was so exciting. I felt like that of, was filler. The energy dropped a little bit. Yeah. But still, I thought the beginning and the end were really fantastic. Um, anything else you want to note? No. All right, so what are you going to give this one? I'm going to give this one four out of six. Okay. Well, we're in the X-Men 38. I'm going to give it... You know what? I am. I'm going to give it a six out of six claws. Whoa. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And I can't wait to see what happens next. Ray from Wolverine and Cyclops of Fight. They... They picked right up from Battle of the Atom left off. You know, Wolverine's mad at S.H.I.E.L.D. Cyclops is mad at S.H.I.E.L.D. Cyclops and Wolverine are still mad at each other. I just thought the art was really good. I thought it... I'm forgiving the middle part because I thought the dialogue was still pretty decent. Really, the only thing I really disliked is I'm just getting kind of tired of the danger room everywhere all the time. Okay, so... For me, the danger room isn't everywhere all the time, but in the one comic I read where it is, that would drive me nuts. I'd drop out of school. Yes, <laughs> me too. All right, well, so that's going to do it. Um, I got a couple other things to cover, and then we'll get out of here. All righty. 
Okay, so next up we have Uncanny Avengers number 14. The uh, highly talked about issue. <laughs> Written by Rick Remender. New penciler on the book, Steve McNiven. John Dell is the inker. Laura Martin is the colorist. VCs Clayton Cowles is the letterer. And McNiven and Justin Ponsor did the cover. It's a pretty sweet cover. Basically, we have Scarlet Witch casting a spell. And Rogue kind of in, is the background behind her. Like a giant rogue with bone claws kind of about to encase Scarlet Witch. Of course, remember the end of last issue, Rogue is set out to, sk- to kill Scarlet Witch for uh, betraying the team because they don't trust her. <laughs> but Uncanny Avengers has been about nothing if not mistrust. <laughs> so we see um, Kang going through time collecting different people. We have Strife, Venom, or Spider-Man's daughter from Earth-X. Uh, Doom 2099, Arno Stark from 2020. I vaguely remember that story. Then we get somebody. Ahab. I don't know who that is, to be honest. Psylocke from uh, Remender's Future and Uncanny X-Force. And a Deathlock of some sort. Like a giant. It's when the Deathlock were combined with all the heroes' powers. So I guess this is is the Hulk version. Anyway, that aside done. We're back in the Accio Nebula now. Uh, the Uncanny Avengers Unity Squad is fighting the Apocalypse Twins. Scarlet Witch and Wonder Man are going to cast a spell to bring all the mutants to the twins so they can go start Planet X on their Ark, their big giant space boat. Of course, Scarlet Witch and Wonder Man have devised a devious plan. They're not going to call the mutants to the ship to go to their hibernation chambers, but as a free army to help defeat the Apocalypse Twins. But Rogue and Sunfire don't know that, and they're on their way to kill the Scarlet Witch before she can help the Apocalypse Twins. So Scarlet Witch and Wonder Man embark on their spell. She needs a Wonder Man's ionic energy to cast a spell this massive we see the Apocalypse Twins toasting each other on their certain revenge of Kang. And we see Sunfire and Rogue. Now remember, Rogue stole Wolverine's powers. He was way past the point of being any help. And they see Dokken and the Reaper, the Death, the Horsemen of Death version. And they go right at Rogue and Sunfire, just chopping them up. Then Rogue pops her bone claws with a snap. A double snapped, which is usually the sound of the claws going in. But for Rogue, it's the sound of them coming out. I will say this is a great panel. Art-wise, looks fantastic. Then Dokken, of course, goes after Sunfire. And he's kind of got him down. Within a tattered, ripped-up uniform wearing Wolverine jumps after Dokken in another awesome panel. All right, so Dokken's about to stab Sunfire and says, You're a damn joke. Wolverine says, you want to hear a joke? I got a real side-splitter bub. And he just slices Dawkins right through the face. And he tells Shiro, or Sunfire, I'll deal with the boy. Go find Wanda to stop her before. And he looks over and sees them doing their spell. He's like, son of a bitch. He says, go, Sunfire. Get Wonder Man the hell away from her. Non-lethal, you hear me? Nobody dies. Oh, so a, a few back on the beginning... 
Sunfire and Rogue are talking about whether they're actually going to kill Scarlet Witch. And Sunfire's like, I thought Wolverine said no one dies. He made you promise, right? And we get a flashback where Rogue did promise Wolverine that. But she says, trust me, Shiro, Logan taught me well enough to know what he'd really want. So she's going to kill her anyway. Then she, she's fighting Reaper and says that she killed him on accident last time. It says this time it's going to be on purpose. And then Sunfire tackles Wonder Man. And Scarlet Witch was in a trance. And she's like, huh? What? What? And Rogue takes out all her anger on Scarlet Witch. All the mutant problems stem from the end of um, House of M. And of course, the No More Mutant spell that Scarlet Witch cast. And Rogue's going to exact her justice. And Wolverine looks over. He's like, no, Rogue, you can't kill her. I gotta say, the looks on their faces, both Rogue and her anger and determination, and Wolverine is kind of panicking fear, like, oh, what if, like, it's kind of his fault, but he doesn't want it to happen. McNiven's facial expressions are amazing. But Dawkins puts Wolverine in a headlock and says, you can get a front row seat, daddy-o. So Wolverine yells at Rogue to stop, but Rogue pounces on Scarlet Witch and stabs her with a nice schwunk. Right through the belly. And we just see Wolverine's eyes sink. And you can see it. And just the pain. And he yells. And uh, Dawkins says, see the resemblance? She's just another cold-hearted killer. Just like you taught her, Professor. And Rogue says, I'm, I'm sorry. Scarlet Witch is like, why? Rogue says, you're, you're too dangerous. Too dangerous to live. And then Scarlet Witch asks a very um, interesting question. She looks right up at Rogue and says, what does that make you? Then she falls off this cliff, dying, and Wonder Man spills the beans to Sunfire that they were trying to bring mutants for help. And he fly, gets rid of Sunfire and flies off to try to catch Wanda as she falls off the cliff. And Rogue's talking to herself, trying to convince herself that it was the only way to fix the problem. And Reaper says, that's always the best thing to tell yourself after you murder somebody in cold blood. And he stabs Rogue with his giant death energy reaper blade, or, or scythe, I guess you would call that, right through the back of the chest. Wolverine's like, Rogue! And Dawkins says, it's all coming together, and you did it, Dad. And Wolverine um, slices him through the chest and stabs him through the throat and tosses him aside. And he runs up to the reaper, please. And Reaper says, please, says the Wolverine as he has Rogue just hanging on his blade. It's almost funny, right? Then he lights Rogue up with all his death energy and burns her down to a skeleton. Wonder Man finds Wanda, and Wanda in her last breath says, we have to finish the spell. We have to bring the cavalry before these monsters can hurt anybody else. And Simon's, Wonder Man starts crying, says, Wanda, I came back from the dead to be with you. And they make out, or just kiss. <laughs> they don't have time to make out. They kiss. Wanda professes her love for him. And Simon promises is not the end as he dissipates into pure ionic energy. And Wanda completes the spell and brings the mutants to the Ark. Then falls over dead to be continued. Alright, I have one major complaint. And then I'll talk about how much I like the rest of the book. And kind of what I think might be going on. Alright. I don't really think... I think Remender writes a lot of characters really, really, really well. Like, has a knack for it. 
I think he's missed Rogue. I I feel like he I, it needed to be Rogue because it needed to be. This story is perfect that Wanda is killed by Wolverine's claws when Wolverine's right threatened to kill her on previous occasions since House of M, but not actually Wolverine. And when it when the it actually came to it. Wolverine uh, deferred to the more nobler side of himself. It was like, no, we can't actually kill her. I may want to. I may be mad enough to, but we can't actually kill her. And so I think, <laughs> I almost think whatever else Remender has going on, that from the beginning of Uncanny Avengers up to now, I'm sorry, Uncanny X-Force, or really even X-Force to Uncanny X-Force to Uncanny Avengers, a lot of what Remender's done. He's done a lot of great things. Those are been really solid work from the beginning of the first the first time he took on X Force. I feel like a lot one of the major things behind that has just been the continual breaking of Wolverine and his spirit and his heart and just just putting him through the emotional paces over and over again. I think that's a theme that I like that Remender has. I like seeing what he's doing to Wolverine. I don't like, you know, you don't want to see your friends go through that, but I like I like what he's doing to Wolverine. And so I think in that regard, it needed to be Rogue so that it could be Wolverine's power that killed Scarlet Witch. And then Wolverine had to actually watch it from the sidelines. So it's almost like he did it, even though he was against it, and just that, just swallows him and breaks him and that's really powerful storytelling. So in that sense it kind of needed to be Rogue. And while I understand that Rogue is super pissed at Scarlet Witch and definitely cannot trust her at all and probably shouldn't, Rogue almost in her whole entire history even when she was a bad guy (laughs) had a reluctance to kill. And ever since especially the whole Carol when she consumed Carol like she's always been so pro-life, not not to to use that. I know that word has a lot of baggage. Um, let me think of a better way. She's always been very much a staunch supporter of the sanctity of life. Like at all odds, at all cost, preserve life. In every step along her character journey, that has been almost like her motto. And I feel like Remender has used. Oh, I'm mad about Scarlet Witch. I don't know. To me, when Rogue is like, this is the only way to kill her, like for Rogue, that's never the only way. She would die herself before she would kill somebody else. So that is a pretty big gripe for me. I see, like, storytelling-wise, why it needed to be Rogue. I just don't think she would do it. Like, ever, under any circumstance. Uh, What do you guys think? Uh, let me know. I would like to hear other opinions. Okay, so as far... <laughs> now, I will admit, I'm an X-Men guy, first and foremost, in case you can't tell. I had some old Avengers issues off and on, but I didn't really start reading the Avengers until Bendis came on with Avengers Disassembled. Okay? In that time... There have been interesting parts of several different characters, but I've never really been a giant Scarlet Witch fan. And until very recently, I've kind of always hated Wonder Man. So their deaths 
whether they stick or not. And there's all kinds of reasons why they may or may not. Don't really bother me. <laughs> Rogue's death, under different circumstances, I might be okay with. I think maybe she needs the death in a reboot to a degree. Character's kind of become a little bit stale. So I know that seems to kind of contradict what I just said, that maybe her being mad and killing someone is a different take on the character, but I still, maybe I still feel like there's enough motive for her to go that far. I don't know. But enough of that. All right. So let's talk about these deaths. So Scarlet Witch, is she really like dead dead or is she just like run out of life force temporarily? I don't know. I don't really care. I don't mind if she is dead. It doesn't bother me that much. I won't really miss her that much. All right, Wonder Man, I won't really miss at all. Though I was kind of enjoying the pacifist superhero thing that Reminder has been doing. But I don't think he's dead at all. Like, he is energy, like this pure ionic energy, whatever. So when he disperses himself and goes through Wanda to cast a spell and becomes just all particles or whatever, like he'll eventually, like Sandman kind of, but on an ionic energy level, he'll eventually, all his pieces will reconvene and he'll come back together as Wonder Man. So I don't, maybe that'll be soon. Maybe that'll be in this story. He may come back super pissed about his love being dead and that would be definitely interesting and compelling you know Reminder's done good with Wonder Man for me so I wouldn't mind seeing that in this story or right after this story wraps up Rogue okay so stole Wolverine's powers we know from kind of a casual aside hint a few issues back that this is after Killable Wolverine and Dawkins talked about not having that healing factor, right? Remember that? Okay. So, but when Rogue steals his powers, does she steal his powers? Like, I guess this goes to the issue of are his powers suppressed or are his powers changed? If they were just suppressed, then she could steal the claws and Wolverine's powers can be messed up. I think Rogue would still get the healing factor. Since we know from Killable over in Wolverine that those microverse creators actually like changed Wolverine on a fundamental level. And they kind of said in that story the only way he can be fixed is they would have to change him back like on a genetic level. So if that's the case, I don't think Rogue then got the missing healing factor if it's a genetic change, right? So I don't know, but... It's definitely interesting to see whether she will somehow come back or how or if or when or whatever. All right, so that said, the art by McNiven, I loved. I've been really enjoying Acuna's work. I thought it fit this story really well. This issue with all the fighting and just the kinetic, frenetic energy, I thought McNiven, or McNiven, I'm sorry, just did an amazing job, and his style lends itself so well to this story. I saw, I thought the story was super compelling. Wolverine, man, just seeing what a... <laughs> I feel like he's been doing such a good job as trying to be a good teacher and trying to balance what he is. But when you see... So because we don't see that side of Wolverine and the X-Men. We only get, like, I'm trying to be better. But with Revenger's X-Force stuff and Uncanny X-Force and even kind of the carryover in this book, he's still out doing the the black ops and killing when he has to and, you know, not shying away from death. And I guess that contradiction 
is just coming to the forefront now and Wolverine seeing it. Because when Rogue says, like, I thought that was a really powerful moment when she goes, well, I promised Wolverine that we would make this team work and then we go on this mission, nobody dies. Like, nobody, even the Apocalypse twins. Wolverine had guilt over killing the first young Apocalypse clone. You know, he's like, we're not going to repeat that mistake. And Rogue promised, yeah, okay, nobody dies, I promise. But then she says, well, yeah, I, I promised Wolverine that. But I know what he would really want. Like, I know Wolverine better than, like, he may have got soft and, and said no one dies, but he does, when, when the, the chips are out, or chips are in, I guess, <laughs> however that expression goes, um, he would actually want me to do what he would do, and he would kill her. Like, I, I think that. And that's telling how Rogue, who looks up to and respects Wolverine a lot, I just assumes that in the direst of situations, he would resort to kind of his darker side, his animal nature, his, his beast. And she takes that decision upon herself and almost immediately feels remorse about it. Which I did like that part. If you're going to make Rogue do something that I feel like is out of character. All right, now, here's one thing Reminder could say. Okay, and this this can be his out, and I even if he doesn't ever actually say this, I may just believe it to to reconcile it for myself. Which he steals Wolverine's power. She also gets some of his nature, and so maybe maybe she stole a berserker of sorts. Maybe it wasn't as bad because she's not Wolverine, but maybe she got some of that, and that's why that drives her to actually go from just being mad and distrustful of Scarlet Witch to actually killing her. That's interesting. Uh, what does everybody think about that? I would like to know what you think about that theory. Does she... Because she gets parts of personality sometimes. So that's, Yeah, okay. Maybe Reminder's genius. I'm going to assume that he is because I, I think he is most of the time. So um, anyway, I can't wait to see how this resolves regardless of who is or isn't dead for how long they are or aren't dead, whatever. The fallout from this issue is going to be catastrophic on every level. Because even if people don't stay dead, like, they have to deal with this. That's that's why I want to see Wonder Man come back sooner than later. Even though I historically don't like him, I love what Reminder's doing with him. And I want to see him come back and confront everybody on this team, like, how could you let this happen? You know? And, yeah, if anything's going to make him cast his uh, pacifism aside, it's going to be the death of his lover. So, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm excited about this book. And I'm going to give Uncanny Avengers number 14 six out of six claws. I cannot wait to see how this plays out. And just everything about this book is great. I'm even going to use my own kind of uh, twisted logic to forgive the only thing I didn't like about the book. <laughs> so, there you go. Uncanny Avengers number 14, 6 out of 6 claws. I want number 15 ASAP. Alright, so last but not least, we have Where's Logan? And he is barely in two books this last part of November. He's in Avengers Assemble number 21 and Nova number 10. Alright, so let's start off with Avengers Assemble, an inhumanity tie-in with the fallout from Infinity and all the, the inhuman spores running around. All right, so this is written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, art by Matteo Bafogni, colors by Nolan Winard, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, and the cover is by Jorge Molina. 
It's a nice cover. It's got some like, what I'm assuming, inhuman DNA strands. We have three spider-themed women. We have Black Widow, Spider-Woman, and Spider-Girl. Yeah, it's a really nice cover. All right, so basically we have... You have these, like, cocoons, these inhuman cocoons popping up because remember in Infinity, Black Bolt released, like, a massive Terragenesis bomb. And Terragenesis is the way inhumans, like, are exposed to these mists and they develop their innate powers. So basically, he finds out there's a bunch of people on Earth who have, like, latent or at least partial inhuman DNA. They get exposed to this bomb and they go into a cocoon and come out as the very inhumans. So we see a Dr. Jane Covington. Um, basically, she finds a cocoon and it blows up. And the way it looks like the lady dies on her and oozes on her. And then we see Avengers Tower and we have Wolverine drinking a beer. He's drinking a Molson, <laughs> which is awesome. And they're talking about, they're all together like in the war room the big board of the globe, talking about the inhuman pandemic. The Spider-Girl wasn't, she's trying to get everybody to help her find her missing chemistry teacher. But no one will listen to her. She's just a little kid. Wolverine even says, ain't got time to help you with your homework, kid. And Carol, Miss Mar- or Captain Marvel's like, I got this, Logan. And basically talks about how there's this big crisis and I have time for this. Sometimes you just have to let the authorities handle the situation. You can't help everybody. And she's like, oh, you're idiots. And she goes, my chemistry teacher was in one of these cocoons you're looking for. Like, yells, and everyone's like, oh, okay, right. We should probably help you. And so Spider-Woman volunteers, and Black Widow finds the location, and they're going to go break into AIM and see what they can figure out. Spider-Woman's very, um, let's see, what did she say? Uh, so there's a lot of verbing, a lot of verbal sparring. Uh, the three spider ladies infiltrate AIM. Apparently AIM has like diplomatic immunity. They are not officially indicted with any wrongdoings and so the Avengers are not allowed to uh, harass them anymore. So they turn out all the lights and bust in. There's some really good art and a lot of good like espionage type fighting uh, that ends up with a really cool panel of like almost like a Charlie Angels type pose of the three spider ladies. They interrogate Abe. They're trying to figure out where the cocoons are. They say one was dead and the other one. But then we see Abe boobies because, you know, you can't just wear a regular Abe suit. You gotta have armor with boobies so we know you're a powerful woman, right? Anyway, they, they joke about how they're all spider heroes. And she goes, ask Spider-Woman, what's the matter? Arachnobrod taken? So this is some bad guy. I don't know. I don't know who she is. They're familiar with her. Uh, Spider-Girl asks about her teacher, and she's like, sorry, didn't make it. And she says, you know what? Castle Law, I can shoot you all now for coming on our, trespassing on our property. I'm not getting to you. I'm going to have the cops come and get you, because you're doing something illegal. They'll come collect your remains. Actually, she is going to kill them. They're gonna, the cops are going to come collect your remains. I don't want to fill out paperwork all weekend, so I'm going to leave. Then we go back to a Hewa Global Research and Lab Services and our Dr. Covington is now an inhuman. And she has some kind of like poison mist. And she kills the scientist who's working on something. Anyway, that's pretty much the gist of it. So I haven't, I have a confession. I haven't been really reading that much of Avengers Assemble. And I think maybe I should be. Uh, Deconic writes a fun Avengers story. And I've 
heard that. <laughs> I've heard that it's a nice contrast to what um, Hickman's doing. It's a lot less serious, a lot more fun. They're equally good, just different sides in the Avengers coin. You know, a little less epic, just a little more, but more adventure, maybe. Less grand, but more fun. They both have their uh, different strengths, but this was a good book. Yeah, I, I'll probably pick up the next one, whether Wolverine's in it or not. So um, I'm going to give this four out of six claws. Avengers Assemble number 21, four out of six claws. All right, then Nova number 10, which is also Nova 100, written by Zeb Wells, pencils by Carlo Barbary and David Lopez, inks by John Ribsey and David Lopez and Terry Pallet. David Curiel is a colorist. The cover is by Edmund Guinness and Marte Garcia. The letters are by Comic Crafts, Albert Deschesney. Then there's another story at the end. We'll get to that in a second. But this cover by Edmund Guinness is really cool. Um, it's got like really cool like space in the background and then the letters and the number 100 really big, which basically is the 100th issue of Nova ever written. I think they say across five different series. So it's number 10 of this series, but it's the 100th ever. Anyway, we have Nova standing on top of a bunch of Nova helmets from the Nova Corps. It's a pretty nice cover. I like it. All right, so basically Nova is fantasizing about the day that Doctor Dooms stole Thor's hammer and beat everybody. And we see Wolverine laying down with a bunch of defeated heroes. But Nova went and talked to the Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer thought he was really cool. And let him borrow a surfboard. And he comes and so Nova surfs in with a big surf's up. And this is a really cool panel, though, where he knocks Dr. Doom out, gets the hammer back. As he hits Dr. Doom, like his face is covered with his hood, but his mask breaks into two pieces and flies off. It looks really cool. Then he jokes around, makes a really bad joke about Dr. Doom, and everybody laughs. Wolverine says, I too enjoy your comedy, bub. And that's kind of that. Basically, and Noah says, but that's interrupted by, oh, what does he say here? It's actually pretty funny. Hey, mommy, it's your little baby boy, Sam. Can I stay out of Widow Wonga with my friends? And all the superheroes are like, what? So is that how it's going to work? So basically, his mom, who wouldn't let him be an Avenger, is going to let him be a, a new warrior, which I got to say, uh, Speedball has found the Fountain of Youth. He is de-aged at least 10 years. Right, they've taken a decade off of him for this book to restart the New Warriors, as opposed to, like, Civil War-era speedball. You know, when he blew everybody up. But basically, this story is about how he does. He thinks he's he got an offer from the Avengers, so he's above the New Warriors. He fights with this girl, then he fights with his mom and flies off into space to talk to the Watcher. The Watcher shows him some Nova episodes of the past where he was an integral part of the New Warriors. And then shows him a fight where he was an Avenger. He was just kind of one dude in the background. We get a Wolverine um, in his old costume. I think this is where the art switches, pretty sure. And basically the lesson the Watcher kind of teaches Nova is that sometimes it's better to be really important in a smaller group than to be just kind of another person. It's kind of the, the the big fish in a small pond type thing. The new warriors really need his power. The Avengers kind of got that part covered. So he eventually agrees to join the new warriors 
And then we get a nice cover gallery of all 100 different issues or different series. Then Nova, the principal, comes back to his mom's house and says he's missing too much school. And she says, I don't know where he is. And we see him off in space fighting some giant killer whale aliens. And I think he calls one of them Free Willy and one of them Shamu. He helps these guys on the spaceship uh, defeat these aliens that are attacking their ship. Goes back to Earth, but he lands and he's blind. All right. So Wolverine was barely in that. Hardly really counts. But I wanted to mention it. Pretty good story. This last part is the new team that's going to take over the book. Gary Dugan, or Duggan, the writer, Paco Medina, will stay the penciler. Iker Juan Velasco, colorist David Curiel, and comic craft Albert Duchesne is the letterer. It was an interesting little story. Um, see what they do with his blindness. I like kind of, they're really, this book is really good about, kind of hits like the original Spider-Man mythos, like what it would be like to be a kid, have this overwhelming power, and try to figure out what to do with it. And I really enjoyed the first 10 issues of the series so far. I would give this book itself, it's just really fun. I don't really like the new Warriors that much, so I'm hoping that now that he's he's joined and they'll say they'll call if they need him, that he can be in their book, but they won't so much be in his book, I'm hoping. That's what I'd like to see. I don't know if I'll get that or not. Overall, I'm going to give this book... Four out of six claws. I like the idea that, you know, he kind of learned his lesson. I like the idea of him not being an Avenger and kind of learning the ropes on a smaller team. Oh, that part's cool. I just... And the new New Warriors lineup looks more interesting. Just, I guess just when the book first came out, New Warriors number one, right back in the 90s, it just wasn't what I was looking for. It was... In some ways, it was two 90s in the wrong way for me back then. But anyway, all right, so anyway, that wraps up Where's Logan? All right, so that's going to do it for episode 67. 67. Hope you enjoyed it. That's going to wrap up November. Oh, well, actually, we're in December. Well, yeah, but the books oh, for November. The books for November. Yep. All right, so next up on the docket, um, we'll have December part one. It will be the next regular episode, and then we'll also our next flashback episode. Which I won't be on. Will be uh, the first half of the Dark Phoenix saga. <laughs> so you have that to look forward to alright cool um, please like Facebook page please leave an iTunes review please um, send an email to yahoo or snipcast at yahoo.com please follow us on twitter at snipcast please you can get show notes on the website at snipcast.podbean.com you better <laughs> and that's about it we got some uh decorating to do so i'm gonna get out of here until next time hugs and snicks bye, bye.